You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday game day edition of the Sports Soccer here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Will be an interesting show today coming from cell phone. Uh, I will be going up to Indy tonight for the game, kind of a last minute thing. Uh, so I'll be there, and we're, that's what we're going to talk about primarily today is the Kentucky Kansas game. And there's been some other interesting basketball games across the basketball ESPN marathon today. We'll talk about some of those. Uh, Manhattan with an unbelievable play to force overtime against UMass, but ultimately uh, losing. But that was uh, if you did, if you haven't seen it, Google it. Or I think there's certainly videos out there. Uh, it had a very Arkansas, Kentucky feel to it from last year. Although this was a design play uh, coming off a terrible UMass turnover with 0.8 seconds left, and they designed this play that just led to a dunk right from the inbound pass, and it was phenomenal, and uh, there's been plenty of great plays today. I expect plenty of great plays tonight, Champions Classic, one of the premier events early in the season. Duke and Michigan State will tip off before Kentucky-Kansas, and then Kentucky and Kansas probably won't get started till around 10 o'clock tonight. It'll be a late one, and that is obviously the the – the best game of the night, number five, Kansas versus number one, Kentucky. And we're going to talk a lot about this Kansas team because, really, you know, we don't know too much about them. Uh, you're going to have to go off with the freshmen, what they've done in, in AAU and high school. Uh, and with some of the returning players, yeah, we know a little bit about them, but none of the returning players were the guy on last year's team. That would be Andrew Wiggins or Joel Embiid when he was healthy. But now you've got Perry Ellis, who's been the – premier role player for Kansas over the past few years, stepping into a much larger role. Wayne Selden Jr. kind of being the guy in the backcourt. And then, of course, you've got the the freshmen, Kelly Oubre and Cliff Alexander. It's uh, They didn't play much in their first game. Kelly Oubre only playing four minutes, not attempting a shot. And then Cliff Alexander coming off the bench, only playing 12 minutes. And, and again, they've only played one game, Kansas has. So, you're, I think you're going to see both those guys. I, that might have been a little bit of uh, Bill Self kind of being sneaky a bit, not letting Kentucky see a lot of those guys and, and, and maybe letting them make their debut against Kentucky. Obviously, Cliff Alexander is going to play a lot more than 12 minutes tonight. I can guarantee that. And Kelly Oubre as well. Also, they've got the, uh, the young, the very young 17-year-old from the Ukraine who was a very late addition, but by all reports from summer and, and – the off season is that he uh, could shine in this Kansas offense given time. Well, could that be tonight? So we're going to talk about all those things. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Duke, Michigan State, Louisville with a big win last night. I mean, that game uh, wasn't, it was 13 to 19. And then I looked up and it seemed like it was 19 to 50 something. That game was not close at all. Uh, Yates, any major takeaways from the Louisville game last night? Um, no, not really. I mean, I guess Onawaku looked good, had a double-double. It's hard to say you know, whether you – know, it's hard to take much from that performance, I guess, because the opponent was so overmatched. But, I mean, you'd rather – freshmen especially look good against teams like that than bad. I mean, if they if they go out against a team like that and they don't put up decent to good numbers, then 
you might need to worry a little bit. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I you know, it, it was just a, a a smash game. I mean, a, a team that was clearly overmatched. Yeah, Montrose Harrell kind of came back down to earth from three, not hitting one. Um, I'm joking, he's going to have games where he's not going to hit some, and and uh, but did take three. One thing that has kind of stood out to me is, is it's very uh, similar Wayne Blackshear to this time last year, and uh, he's playing with confidence, and he probably didn't have his best shooting night that he would have hoped for yesterday, but uh, was a rebound away from a double double. Also had five assists, but he just he he looks like he's having fun to an extent from from what I've seen, and uh, that's important. That's important for Louisville, and that's obviously important for him. We'll see if that's the case when they start going up against better competition and, and better teams, but early on in the season, that has to be a positive sign, and, and I think, it, again, like you said, yeah, you can't take too much away from a, a game where you win by almost 50 points, uh, but for Matthew Yang to get 10 rebounds and uh, really the whole team to rebound well. I mean, uh, just an outsized and outmatched Jacksonville State team, but that's what you should do against those teams, like you mentioned, and that's exactly what Louisville did. Uh, so not can't take too much away from that game. Louisville will be back in action, uh, I guess, Friday against Marshall. Now, you expect that one to maybe be a little bit closer, but who knows? I don't know much about Marshall. Uh, wouldn't lie to you. Anyway, there's been some interesting news stories today, kind of away from college basketball on the court. Run DMC tweets in and reminded me that there's going to be a new 30 for 30 documentary called I Hate Christian Leitner, and then it will come out next year. uh, On one hand, I think it'll be good and it'll be fun, and, and there are plenty of fan bases, even besides Kentucky, that hate Christian Leitner and it's going to be fun to kind of hear their stories. And, you know, Christian Leitner, a great college player, uh, great career. I think maybe leads the NCAA tournament in scoring, uh, which is a, certainly an impressive stat, one that has held up for a while. Uh, but, you know, it's he hasn't played a, just a kind of a journeyman in the NBA and hasn't been in college basketball for over 20 years. I, you know, I, I get what he did, and obviously the game against Kentucky and the shot. A little part of me just wants to put every, all of that to rest. It doesn't seem that that's going to be the case. So, I mean, I'm sure it'll be well done, uh, but I'm just kind of kind of over it, kind of sick of seeing it. I'm sure that shot will be shown in that film 30 times. Uh, United States and Ireland currently playing. In a friendly Ireland up 1-0. If you've been listening to the sports soccer for a while, you know that uh, soccer talk, we don't shy away from it. Uh, but didn't see Ireland's goal. They scored in the seventh, seventh minute. But there's a big disconnect right now between Jurgen Klinsmann and the MLS, which primarily that's where all his players play, is in the MLS. And it's uh, it's not pretty. So... Uh, I wonder if that's having an effect on the team. I say it's lost their friendly uh, last week and losing today. A lot of young players playing, though, so I guess that might be the only positive coming away from that game. But anyways, uh, that's just a side tidbit. But Champions Classic tonight should be a fun event. I went to the one in New York, the, the first Champions Classic. Now, this is starting tonight, begins the second cycle 
of this tournament. And the one in New York was, was great. Um, that was Kentucky, Kansas to start the year. Kansas kind of gave Kentucky all they could handle in the first half and early in the second half before Kentucky pulled away. And then, as you all know, that was a national championship preview as the two teams met in the national title. Uh, obviously way too early to tell if that will be a repeat for this season. But I, I think, I think, Gates, how confident would you be if you had to take the four Champions Classic teams against the field in having a national champion? Now, I, you know, I, it would, it's easy to say that the field would have better odds, I, I think at least. But how confident would you be in, in taking one of these four teams to cut down the nets later this year in Indianapolis, the same city they're playing in tonight? Well, I think you're right that the – the field would have better odds, but I would feel pretty confident taking anyone or taking that group of four. Yeah, it, it, it's and that's the thing. The weird thing is, is Michigan State is kind of the the throwaway team. Uh, you know, I think this is almost when Tom Izzo is, is at his best is when people aren't expecting much from him, or, or at least you know, not national championship expectations. He's really good at coaching guys up and you know, kind of making no names into household names by the end of the year. So I think he's going to do better with this team this year than people think. I think they're going to be overmatched against Duke tonight. Uh, but that, you know, they're not going to win the national title. They might make a surprise run and maybe Elite Eight, I would say, Final Four is certainly their ceiling. Uh, so that's kind of a throwaway team. There's plenty of other teams besides Michigan State that have a much better chance to win a national title. But Kentucky and, and Duke are, are right up there with anybody. Arizona, Wisconsin, obviously, and then, you know, how many times does a top three or five team win the national championship later that year? It obviously has happened, and it happened with Louisville and, and Kentucky, but UConn also uh, hasn't been highly ranked for their two national titles. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how that all plays out, but no doubt a premier event starting the season. We're going to kind of break down the X's and O's. Uh, we're going to take an early commercial break, so we'll come back and we'll, we'll preview some of the players to watch on Kansas, what to expect from Kentucky. And plenty of good stuff. As always, you can tweet in the show at T Walker Rivals. We'd love to hear from you and get some predictions, and we'll get some predictions later on tonight. So stick around here on 1450 the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. A very chilly, I mean, I can't believe how cold it is for mid November. This is just absolutely ridiculous. And I think back to the last time Kentucky played Kansas, and that was the national title game in 2012 down in New Orleans. Um, again, for Kentucky fans, that was the second time you were able to interact with Kansas fans that year. And I was at, and I wasn't there for the national title game. I went to the Final Four game, came back to Lexington for the national title game. Uh, but Kansas fans were out in full force on Bourbon Street. And they are a, uh, a rowdy bunch, 
to say the least. Obviously, Kentucky fans are as well. Uh, but everywhere you go, it, it's kind of the equivalent of roll tide for Alabama fans, the way Kansas fans say rock chalk. And we quickly found out in Bourbon Street, they do not like it when you mock rock chalk. Uh, a lot of Kentucky fans saying rock chalk Tony Hawk. So UK fans going to the game tonight, you might want to pull that one out there. Uh, saw some Kansas fans looking to maybe even fight Kentucky fans over uh, Kentucky fans saying rock chalk Tony Hawk. So um, that is one of the better, actually, chants in, in basketball, in my opinion, is rock chalk. When they do it at Allen Fieldhouse when the game's won or virtually won, it's kind of intimidating chant, and they'd be more than uh, willing to do that tonight, tonight if Kansas can beat Kentucky. And, and let's talk a little bit about that game and what to expect if you're a Kentucky fan and what to expect from Kansas in this game. We don't know, like like I said, we don't know a ton about Kansas. And they played one game and they didn't really play, in my opinion, maybe two of their better players. Uh, and they're going to they're going to get more action today. But I'm more curious about the guard play. And, I, and Kelly Oubre is a wing player, but I'm kind of going to throw him into this. I'm curious what Wayne Selton will be able to do against Kentucky's guards because Kentucky's perimeter defense, like I mentioned on the show yesterday, looked flat out awful against Buffalo and, and not improved really at all versus what we saw last season. So Selden, a scoring guard who can kind of get where he wants on the court, he's going to have to have a big day, in my opinion, for Kansas to have a chance. Uh, inside, you know, Kansas has one of the better front courts in the country, in my opinion, uh, but still just not nearly as as much depth as Kentucky's. And, and you know, there's no way Kansas is going to be able to dominate the game inside. They might neutralize Kentucky inside more than other teams uh, will be able to do this season. but you know, that's at best for Kansas, that's going to be a wash. So, it, you know, Kansas is going to find a way to win this game, but it's going to have to be with the guards. And that's why it's so important for Kentucky to settle settle in on defense with uh, the Harrisons, if that's who it's going to be, Tyler Eulis. I think this is a game for him to kind of put his stamp as a, as a good defender. Um, we, we saw a little bit in the Bahamas, but probably need to see more of it against quality opponents, Kansas being one of those teams. Um, Three-point shooting will be interesting. Kansas, not a great three-point shooting team, uh, not great in their opening game, but also, you know, I don't expect them to be a a team that's going to knock down a ton of threes night in and night out. Kentucky, kind of the same way. Uh, So the team that wins from behind the perimeter might might be the team that will have a much better chance at winning this game. Um, it, it'll be interesting. And it's also, this is where you feel good about Kentucky's chances, is this is a game where Kentucky's used to this stage. And, you know, you have freshmen, you have Trey Lyles, I'm going to talk more about him. You have Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Tyler Ulis. They've never played anything like this, but you don't really have to rely on them in an atmosphere like you're going to see on tonight and, and, and Baker Fieldhouse downtown Indianapolis. Uh, Calipari said he wished the game was in a dome at Luther Soil. It's not. It is at Banker Life. Uh, makes for a better atmosphere, makes for louder, but John Calipari wants to kind of simulate a Final Four 
and shooting in the dome, getting his players used to that. They won't have a chance to do that this year. And if I'm correct, I think that will be the first time Kentucky won't play a game in the dome before an NCAA tournament. And 2009-2010 might be the only other year that they didn't do that. Uh, They did play in a ballroom down in Cancun or wherever that early season tournament was. But if I'm not mistaken, the first time they played in a dome was against Cornell in the Sweet 16 and then uh, obviously against West Virginia where they shot horribly. So I, I do think John Calipari is right. Is there is some importance in being able to play in a dome before uh, the tournament begins, and, and there will be some regional sites held in domes. So uh, that won't be the case tonight, but it will make for a better atmosphere, which can get the players a little more jacked up. And, uh, you know, you, I think it ultimately hurts the game when players are um, amped up because I, I think they try to do too much and make more mistakes. Um but Kentucky at least has players, and Kansas does too, but uh, they haven't been as far in the tournament as Kentucky has. Uh, but Kentucky has players that are used to it. You know, They, they played in the national championship. And they played against Wichita State in St. Louis last year, which will have an environment similar to tonight. So they're going to be used to that. But here's the thing. Everybody's making a big deal about Trey Lyles, and Trey Lyles has been great. I, I couldn't have been more wrong about the start Trey Lyles has had at, at Kentucky, uh, but he's been great early on in the season. Now he's going home to Indianapolis, and he told me, and this was when we got a chance to interview them early in the year, maybe right after the Bahamas trip. Um, got a chance to have sit-down interviews one-on-one. I asked him what game he's most excited about, thinking that, you know, he he may say the Louisville game because of everything that happened between Louisville and uh, Rick Pitino and his recruitment. But no, he, he said Kansas, and then after after I kind of thought about it, it made sense. He's going home. This will be his first game back in Indianapolis. Obviously, only his third college game, so that's not hard to to fathom. But it is the same place. The last time he played here, he won a state championship, and this was back in March during the Sweet 16 Elite Eight games. So. John Calipari had a had a good quote that he said he's never, you know, had a player do well when returning home for the first time. And uh, again, players try to do too much, and and that could be unfortunate because Trey Lyles has been a big part of this Kentucky success early on in this year. Uh, so I, I think that'll be interesting to see how he plays and into what role he plays. Again, we're still figuring out a lot about this Kentucky team and the platoon system and exactly what they're going to be good at and what they're going to be able to where they're going to be able to beat teams and and really most of it comes down to offense not really an identity and it's going to be tough for this team to get an identity when you have two platoons and I don't know how helpful it will be for if the team has two different you know platoon one has one style play and then platoon two has another style play Uh, I, I don't think that will be beneficial but I think tonight also might be the, I don't know if you could call it the official death of the platoon system, but I think you're going to see him go away from it. Maybe it'll be in the second half. Maybe it'll be early in the first. It'll kind of depend on how the tempo of the game's going and how well UK's able to jump out early. Yates, do you, do you think this will, John Calipari, do you think this game will be close enough to scare John Calipari out of the platoon system? Uh, based on... All the talent that Kansas has, I would think that it should be a relatively close game throughout, and you might not see the platoon system as much as you've seen it in the first couple games. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think, first off, you know, I, I think these are the two, maybe two of the three, two of the four best coaches in college basketball right now going against each other. I really can't say enough good things about Bill Self, not only as a coach, but as a recruiter. He's really John Calipari's biggest competition and has been for some time. Uh, but I, I think he's going he's gonna to have a good idea how to slow down Kentucky, make this game competitive, kind of feed into the crowd and the atmosphere and the whole event of the thing, and, and maybe even try to use that against Kentucky. And, and well, there will be longer timeouts tonight, and that the game will be slowed, and maybe it will be a, a free-throw shooting contest. I think Bill Self's going to do a good job of making sure Kansas isn't blown out in this game. The line opened, uh, or today it didn't open, but it, it's at – Six and a half. Kentucky's a six and a half point favorite. I think that might be a bit high, uh, but basketball lines are are tough to predict because of free throws late in the game. It could be a a back and forth game. Kentucky ends up getting up one and getting the ball with thirty seconds left. Kansas fouls, and Kentucky could easily hit enough free throws to make that a seven or eight point game. Uh, so, I, I think that might be a bit high. Anyways, I think Kansas is going to do a good job of keeping this game close. I do think you're you're going to see the platoon system. You're going to see. I mean, I'm so sick of already talking about platoons and, and the word platoon. If I never heard that word again, it would be great. But here's the interesting thing, though. While I think it's going to be close, and I think the best way for Kentucky to win is to go away, John Calipari has already been awfully stubborn about the platoon, how he wants to use it, how it's going to be a work in progress. He doesn't care about losing games, if that's what it takes for this team to figure it out. Keep citing back to last year. And while that may be true and is a, is, is a good point for him to have, uh, that's going to be something that he's going to fall back on if Kentucky were to lose an early season game or, or slip up here or there. Is last year's going to be his, you know, and I wouldn't, crutch isn't the right word, but he's going to be able to pull that out and use that whenever things aren't looking good for Kentucky. Like they, you know, they didn't look good against Buffalo, and, and he went to that. Um, so I, I think – you know, maybe he has sold this platoon system so much and made such a big deal about it and has all of us talking about it that he might be more reluctant to go away from it, even though it may hurt the team. And, and his defense would be that it will help the team in the long run. But let's be honest, Kentucky shouldn't lose this game tonight. They have more talent than Kansas. They have certainly more depth than Kansas. And they're the more experienced team, I'll go as far as saying, you, you do have some seniors on Kansas, and uh, but, but a lot of their big pieces that are going to make them a great team are really, really young, and Kentucky's going to use a lot of young pieces as well, like I mentioned, but they're, they're not going to rely on them as much. In my opinion, Kansas has to have a, get a big game out of Kelly Oubre tonight and a big game out of Cliff Alexander, or at least... They have to do enough to, again, neutralize Kentucky's big, Cliff Alexander included. And let me talk a little bit about him because you talk about a 18-year-old going on 45. He is a – I mean, I, he doesn't look like a college freshman. And if uh, – he, he's big. He's already NBA-ready. He's got an NBA body. Uh, I thought him and Jaleel Okafor played on the same AAU team, if you could imagine that a front court of Jaleel Okafor and Cliff Alexander. But here's the surprising thing is, one, their AU team wasn't that great. They lost more games than you think having the two maybe best freshman front court players in the country should lose. 
And two, I, I think that Cliff Alexander is a little bit better, in my opinion. Now, Julia Locafor much more polished on offense, but Cliff Alexander much more physical, bigger, meaner, nastier. Uh, if I had to pick a front court player right now, I, I would probably go with Cliff Alexander over Carl Anthony Towns and over, and I'm talking about freshmen, and over Julia Locafor. Now, I do feel Okafor and Towns have higher ceilings than a guy like uh, Cliff Alexander, who's just a big body, really physical. and, and, and But Cliff Alexander will get better, too. But tonight, I'm curious to see how he's going to go up against these Kentucky bigs uh, into Kari Johnson, Willie Cauley-Stein, Trey Lyles, Carl Anthony Town. And, Kentucky, and Kansas does have Perry Ellis. Perry Ellis is a guy that considered Kentucky, nearly went to Kentucky, uh, and seems like he's been in Kansas for a long time. He's a guy that, again, Kansas has never really had to ask him to dominate a game or take over a game, but uh, with the roster shakeout and how things have turned out, he's got a much bigger role on this team. Uh, he's a really smart player. He's, a, he's a, a guy that won't make a ton of mistakes. I'm curious to see how he plays against Kentucky tonight. Um, but it, it should be interesting. And, again, we talked a little bit about the Duke-Michigan State game beforehand. I think Michigan State will make it a, a closer than people think. I think that spread was 7.5, uh, which I think Duke will cover it, but that still isn't to say that it won't be a close game. Curious to see. We're, we're going to learn more, a lot more about a lot of top teams in college basketball tonight with what Duke is able to do. Yates, give me some pred- predictions on these two games. Uh, I think, I think Duke will beat Michigan State relatively easily, and as much as it pains me, I, I'll probably have to, to go with UK over Kansas. Do you think that? So you, you already said that you think it'll be close. How how close do you think that game will be? Um, under ten points, maybe six or seven. Six or seven. That, uh, so right around the spread. The people in Vegas are generally right. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I'll give my prediction now since we're on the subject. I, I think for the, again, like I said, the Michigan State Duke game, I think that it will be closer for Michigan State. Uh, Duke, I think, will always have the lead and never really be in doubt of losing. But Michigan State will always be right there in striking distance. Uh, I'll go with Duke. 81, eh, maybe a little lower scoring. Duke 74, Michigan State 66. That sounds about right. And then the Kentucky-Kansas game. I I do expect Kansas to jump out early. I I, I think there's plenty of reasons to believe that uh, this Kentucky team isn't great, doesn't start games well, and they really haven't for the first two games and even in some of the games in the Bahamas. Uh, I don't know if that maybe you can fall that back on the platoon system or whatever it may be. So I expect Kansas maybe to get up early. Kentucky will settle in and, and, and wear Kansas down as the game goes on. And Kentucky will win 74 to 67 around that. Sounds good. Uh, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But it's nice to have college basketball back and, and everybody talking. Um but we're going to head to commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to, as you can hear, horns talking. We're going to talk about a little football. 
So stick around here on 1450 Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. time the sports talker here's tj walker we're back for one final segment here 1450 the sports buzz on a tuesday game day edition the first big basketball game of the season for kentucky and it seems like this game's been a long time coming with the bahamas and then obviously big blue madness and the exhibitions and uh, two cupcake opponents, but it's still, I think, people, despite the weather being terrible and cold and it feeling like January, it's still just November. Uh, so a quick reminder for Kentucky fans, if UK were to go down tonight, and I don't expect it, uh, it's it's not the end of the world. And it's kind of surprising to think in this Champions Classic, since they've been doing it since 2011, uh, Kentucky just one and two in the event. They only win coming from Kansas in the opening year of, of this event, uh, losing to Duke the year Kentucky went to the NIT. That game was in the Georgia Dome, and a game that Duke kind of led the majority of the game, but Kentucky still had their chances late in that game. And then, obviously, last year, Michigan State in Chicago in the United Center, and Kentucky will play in the United Center later this year against UCLA. I wrote a column last year after the, and I don't write columns a lot, but after the Kentucky-Michigan State game, basically saying that you know this Kentucky team played a terrible first half, uh, just an okay so-so second half, and still had a great chance to beat a Michigan State team. A lot of a lot of people were picking that Michigan State team to win it all last year. So the, the theme of the column, the point of the column was uh, if, if you're going to beat Kentucky, you better do it soon because once this team clicks, they're going to be unbeatable. Uh, I guess that column turned out to be wrong because Kentucky would go on to lose plenty more regular season games and uh, to bad teams, Arkansas twice, South Carolina, uh, the list goes on and on. But it was also right in a sense that once they clicked in March, they were uh, beat good team after good team ultimately losing to UConn, obviously. But uh, I think, that, again, this won't be a finished product of, of what you see tonight. Far from it. Uh, but I, I, I'm all for the Splatoon system getting scrapped sooner the better, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, it's going to into the show. I, I want everybody to know that despite the horn honkings, everything's fine. Uh, we are, again... On the way to Indy, and a truck was being a uh, little aggressive, cutting over. Uh, almost got, we almost got pinned. I'm not driving, although I've done some sports soccer while I have been driving. Not doing that today. Uh, almost got pinned. Everything's good though, and now we're on the, the beautiful streets of I-65 in Southern Indiana, home. Uh, 1450 the sports buzz uh but smooth sailing ahead 
Anyways, and Kemp's into the show. Run DMC says both teams will start slow and Kansas will get in foul trouble and ultimately get dominated on offensive board. UK wins by 11. Now, that's an interesting take because Bill Self, uh, he hasn't talked a lot about this game, but every time he has, it's been about how great of a rebounding team Kentucky is. He even went as far as saying Kentucky's best offense is when the ball is in the air, uh, you know, hinting that Kentucky's going to miss and be able to get their own rebound and get, in, uh, and get to the line and, and finish on second-chance points. Uh, I think you're going to see almost an exaggerated effort from Kansas to make sure Kentucky doesn't get as many offensive rebounds as they're used to getting. Uh, I thought last year's Kentucky team was maybe the best offensive rebounding team in the history of college basketball. I think this year's team is debatably better or, or just as good. So I think you're going to see, again, an exaggerated effort just to make sure Kansas has everybody on defense. So you won't see many runouts from Kansas, uh, which I guess would be a good thing for Kentucky, but maybe not as many offensive rebounds, which hurts Kentucky. Run DC also tweets in the show that the Steelers release LeGarrette Blunt. Doesn't really have to do uh, much with the Kentucky-Kansas game tonight, but uh, it was an interesting Monday night football game. Watched more of it than I was planning because it's the Steelers and Titans, and I could not care less about either team. But it was interesting to see in that game, uh, one, the Steelers get down and how great of a game Le'Veon Bell played and LeGarrette Blount was not getting in, and you know I guess you could read the writing on the wall there. But my girlfriend, who's playing fantasy football for the first time ever, and you would think that this is a life-or-death fantasy league for her. It's just a, a $30 family league that half the people in her family have already kind of given up and quit in. Uh, but she's taking it really serious. She's kind of fighting for her playoff life. Was in ninth place going into last night's game. She was up nine points, and the person she was playing against had Pittsburgh's defense. And right off the bat, Pittsburgh gets a pick six. Uh, as you all that play fantasy know, you start out with 10 points because you're at the start of the game posting a shutout, so that's usually worth 10 points in most leagues. So instantly she goes down 10 points, and uh thought she might start crying. Um, which is good. You should care about fantasy, and I like her. I like her attitude about it. But sure enough, Tennessee chips away, does a little this, does a little that, stops, doesn't turn the ball over, keeps Pittsburgh from getting sacks, all the ways that defense can score points in fantasy football. And it goes into the fourth quarter. She's up one in that game. So Pittsburgh had lost, I guess, 10 points. I don't really know how. Uh, Tennessee scoring on them, I guess, would be the only way. So she's up one, and Tennessee's got that 11-point lead. Pittsburgh scores. It was just kind of exciting to watch the end of that game, a Monday Night Football game that we cared nothing about and and being able to see it. Uh, My fantasy football hopes are not looking great. Do have Josh Gordon coming back this week, which I'm excited about. Uh, It's interesting to see that they're talking about how it's not like they're even kind of shying away from Josh Gordon getting a lot of touches or or receptions, rather, or targets. Uh, But they, they did talk about he wasn't the, he's not going to be the savior to the offense. Um, but I, I do expect him to, to be really involved, so maybe he's just what I need to help turn around my fantasy hopes. Uh, again, we'll have to, to wait and see. 
Kentucky off this weekend for football, so we won't have to. We won't preview another game. We will still have the PT picks of the week later in the week. Notre Dame and Louisville. Again, not a not a great college football weekend. Uh, everything's kind of prepping for rivalry week, which is the following week. And um, Notre Dame Louisville will be an exciting game. Gates, without uh, and I, and I'm. What what are the implications for this game bowl wise? Is, is a win here going to significantly help Louisville get a better bowl, or is it really just pretty much all up in the air at this point? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I haven't looked at exactly what all the ACC bowl tie-ins are and you know who, who would go where. I mean, I, you know, obviously a win would help your chances of getting to a better bowl. Um, but, I mean, it, it, like I said, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm sure it would help to win, probably more than it would hurt to lose. Well, it certainly would help to win, Yates. That's uh, a hot take right good, there. Good analysis there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I was just wondering if you know one could put them in a, a great city in a fun bowl versus the other one, you know, a not so maybe a cold city. Uh, I, I, I saw that Louisville was projected for the Pinstripe Bowl, which is in New York, uh, which could be a fun trip, but. You know, if you're going to go to a bowl game, you might as well go to a warmer city. And I saw another projection, uh, Louisville in the Music City Bowl in Nashville against uh, an SEC team. I think it was Tennessee, which would be a really fun game to watch. I think Tennessee's a, a pretty good team. I think they're starting to click, not just because they hung 50 on Kentucky in three quarters, but uh, Nashville's a great city. So I, I was wondering if, you know, you had a preference in a bowl game that could be determined what happened Saturday in South Bend, uh, obviously for Kentucky to go to a bowl game or to even get a, the bowl game debate, they're going to have to beat Louisville. I guess at that point, if they were to beat Louisville, the Music City Bowl would be an option, but there are also plenty of maybe uh, bowl games that Kentucky fans wouldn't be thrilled to go to, Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. I've actually never been in Memphis since I've been 21. I'm sure that would probably be fun, but not a... Uh, not a super desirable bowl destination. Uh, anyways, got another text into the show from Johnny asking me, out of the four coaches in the Champions Classic, who would I prefer to lead my program? You know, it's probably going to come off as bias, but I think John Calipari would be my number one. He's, uh, you know, I guess he's probably not the youngest, but I would put him behind Bill Self probably close. I'd need to look that up, and, and it's tough to do that, not doing the show without a computer, but uh, he's the youngest. He's the best recruiter. In-game coaching, I would probably take yeah, you'd probably take all three over him, but not, the difference wouldn't be so great uh, that you'd knock John mm-hmm. Collins down because of his recruiting. Uh, so I, I would take him, but you really can't, obviously, you can't go wrong with any three or any of the four. Uh, they're all Hall of Fame coaches. Mike Krzyzewski has the most wins in, as a coach in, in college basketball. I think I saw that all four coaches combined have combined for around 2,500 wins, um, which is just a, a ridiculous number. And John Calipari going for his 600 win tonight, uh, interesting enough, 
he's, I would imagine he'd probably be at the bottom of the win total list from all these coaches. Uh, but that just shows you how good all these coaches are. All have won a national championship and the countless final fours. So you can't go wrong with any of them. But I, I would go John Calipari second. I would go Phil Self. Again, I, I like his recruiting. Um, so coaching-wise, again, he's probably not the best XNO coach. But that's who I'd go with. Three, I'd go Coach K. Uh, he's getting older. He probably won't be coaching for another, you know, 10 years. None of you know, John Calipari might not be coaching for another 10 years. Tom Izzo could not be coaching for 10 years. Who knows? Um, but, uh, and then last would be Tom Izzo. He doesn't really put as much as an emphasis on recruiting as the other guys. He, he's more of the patino developed style of, of getting players. Um, I do like it that, you know, whenever Michigan State loses a a recruit to Kentucky, they talk about how Tom Izzo doesn't want one and done. Well, I mean, he wants them from time to time. He just has problems hitting them because he doesn't have the track record like the other three coaches have. Uh, and, again, you know, he's good at developing players, but they go after their fair share of one-and-dones, and, and it, it, sometimes it, they get them. That's a rare occasion. Uh, they get them, and then they sometimes don't pan out to be one-and-done players, and then other times they, they've missed out on them. Michigan State's doing fine, obviously. Anyways, without one and done, uh, but he'd be my last choice of the four coaches. And strangely enough, he, his name seems to be always connected with Kentucky's job whenever there's an opening. Um, I'm sure that ship has sailed in terms of him ever being the head coach at Kentucky. But interesting enough, Run DMC texts in, text into the show says he heard that report is a hell of a time. So I shouldn't be knocking. I guess it's the Independence Bowl down there. I shouldn't be knocking the Independence Bowl. I think they do have a bunch of casinos, or maybe just one big casino, uh, which I'd be all for. You know, it would be a good time for me. You don't really need much of the other stuff, so I'd be okay with that. But uh, there, there are probably more fun bowl cities, and... We were, this kind of brings me to another point, a random point. We were talking about how uh, me and some of my buddies talking about how New Orleans didn't get a Final Four despite bidding for one, and, and just how ridiculous that is. New Orleans hosted a great Final Four. Was, uh, anybody who went there had a time that uh, they'll never forget. But it made me think, the SEC tournament's not even going back to New Orleans uh, at least until 2026. Uh, they're all booked up between now and 2025 with all but, I think, two of those Final Fours. One's going to be in Atlanta. One's going to be in Tampa Bay. All the other ones are going to be in Nashville. And no complaints for Nashville. And, and I'm sure some of the list- my listeners would take Nashville over New Orleans. It's certainly closer for any Kentuckian. Uh, but you can't really beat Bourbon Street how close that is to the stadium, being able to walk. Uh, again, Nashville's, Nashville's nice. Nashville's never going to host the Final Four. Uh, and Nashville's good for the SEC tournament. But you'd like New Orleans to get one every now and then. Uh, a lot of debate has been made on whether or not Atlanta is a good Final Four city. Now, obviously, I didn't go to the Final Four when Louisville was there. But I've heard some mixed reviews from Louisville fans, and Atlanta will be hosting the 2020 Final Four, I think I uh, mentioned which cities were getting what yesterday. Uh, Phoenix will get 2016, San Antonio 
2017, Minneapolis 2018. Uh, I guess I'm forgetting one. Or no, okay. So 2017 is when it starts for Phoenix. San Antonio 2018, Minneapolis 2019, Atlanta 2020, and then Indianapolis will return to Indianapolis in 2021. So those are the Final Four cities. But mixed reviews on Atlanta. Yates, did you go to Atlanta for the Final Four National Championship? I did not. I went for okay for from friends and maybe family that did go. What is you know it's tough to have a bad time in a city when your team wins the national championship. But did you hear nothing but good things about Atlanta? Uh, no, I think I heard not great things about Atlanta. Whereas, say New Orleans, the year before that, was everything was you know sort of together. If you if you decided to go out. Going out at Atlanta yeah. was difficult because it was you were spread all over the place, basically. Yeah, that's that's and there's been you know plenty of SEC tournaments down there. I've been to a few, uh, and that is a, it, there's not really one central place for all the sports fans to meet up. Atlanta is such a big city that has just uh, different you know Buckhead, other different places that you can go. Uh, there's no Bourbon Street, there's no Broadway. Some of like, like these other cities, but um, they will have a new arena for that Final Four, which, you know, the Georgia Dome wasn't a state-of-the-art facility, but was good enough, in my opinion. But they're going to have a new new stadium, also getting a new baseball stadium. Uh, I guess Atlanta must be rolling in the money if they're able to do all these things or just going to be bankrupt. Um, but I'm okay with Atlanta for a Final Four. It's close, and... Maybe by that time they'll have a centralized downtown entertainment district or, or something. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But Kentucky, Kansas tonight, Duke, Michigan State. Kentucky women's team get a big win over Baylor after being down 10 last night. Uh, Stanford's girls team beats UConn, uh, ending a, a long UConn winning streak. Follow a lot of UConn bloggers. I, I try to, like I've said before, I like I try to follow a person from each major college on Twitter, man, you would have thought last night's UConn women's basketball game was the Super Bowl for some of those UConn guys. I mean, they take their girls' basketball very seriously. Uh, That's probably why they're the best program in the country. But Kentucky, Kansas, again, Duke, Mm -hmm. Michigan State should be fun. Taking Duke to win the early game. Kentucky to beat Kansas. Uh, Excited to see how it all plays out. Well, we'll be back tomorrow. I won't be in the studio on Friday, so you'll get the PT Picks of the Week on Thursday. But we'll recap mm-hmm. everything that happened last night in, again, a crazy early night of college basketball. So thanks for listening. 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll talk to you tomorrow. They say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do Oprah Freaks, classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 270, we hitting two Song call it blue, grass, song call it